All right. Praise the Lord for that. All right. Uh, right now, I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, introduce our uh, preacher for tonight, our minister, our our uh, man of God, our our mouthpiece of the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. He's uh, serving as a, a youth pastor at San Francisco Full Gospel Church um, in California. And and uh, he's also uh, in the back. He set up um, a booth and you can check it out afterwards. But uh, he started a nonprofit called Maha Foundation. And the, uh, the whole purpose of the foundation is to end poverty in the Philippines. And so uh, Dale has hooked up with some very key influential people to raise money and raise awareness. And he makes trips out with teams. In fact, after uh, Kalai next week, he's going to be taking a team with him to the Philippines uh, to really uh, help people out of poverty. But also, you know, he's sowing in uh, seeds of the gospel as he's doing all of this, you know. Uh, anyway, um, he's a mighty man of God, powerful speaker. He spoke for us at New Philly about a year ago. And we just got rocked, and we loved him, and we just, he's a, he's a young dude, but, you know, don't, don't let his youth fool you, all right? He's just, he's got the anointing all over him, so uh, let's put our hands together. Welcome up, Pastor Del Augusta. Hey, Amen. Why don't you put your hands together and give Jesus some praise tonight? Oh, come on. I think you can do a little bit better than that. Jesus, we love you tonight. We really do love you tonight, God, and we thank you for your presence, God, because if it had not been for your presence, I feel like David, who said, if it had not been for your grace, where would I be, Lord? God, we're so thankful, Lord. God, even walking down the streets this evening, Lord, heading to the church, Lord, God, seeing the brokenness and the hurt and the bondage, I'm grateful that you decided to save me. I'm so grateful you decided to come and make yourself known to me, Jesus. I don't want to ask tonight that you would hide me behind the cross and under your blood. I don't want to be seen, Lord. God, I'm asking that you would minister just because you do a better job, Lord. God, there's some people in here tonight that don't need another speaker. They don't need another altar call. They don't need another conference. They need to collide with your heart. They need an encounter with you, God. So I'm praying that you go reach deep down past our brains into our hearts, deep into our spirits and change us. And we thank you for what you're going to do in this house. We thank you and we, we, we do love you. In Jesus' name, somebody said. Why don't you put your hands together, give Jesus one more hand clap of praise. Amen. I'm, I'm definitely excited to be here. And I, I, love, um, I love Pastor Christian and, and his wife, Aaron. Uh, that's how I know the grace of God is real. Because Christian, you really don't deserve a wife that gorgeous. Just... <laughs> I, I don't, I don't mean no, I don't mean no disrespect, but I'm saying, thank God for Jesus, right? <laughs> um, I'm 24, single and ready to mingle. And, um, looking at, looking at Pastor Christian just gives me hope for tomorrow. <laughs> God, if you can do it for him. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm messing with him. You know, he, he, don't, don't feel bad for him. He messes with me. Me, we're, we, uh, the first day we got here, we're walking down and it's, it's cold. I didn't realize it was this cold in Korea. This is, this is demonic level cold. This, um, but we're walking down the street and he's messing with us and me and Pastor, you know, if you know black folks, we don't like to be cold. We put the heater on in the summer. It's, uh, um, and look, all the black people in the audience, you see, a, 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. When we're walking down the street, and me and Pastor Benjamin, we are cold, and you know, and you know, you know, Pastor Benjamin, he is full black. He's light skinned to did, but he's he's full black. But we were cold, and Christian looks back at us and like, y'all want some chicken? Just foolishness. Y'all like fried chicken? Jesus, the devil is a liar. But I'm, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. David said, um, I came running when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There's something about bringing your faith to the house, sitting next to somebody who brought their faith. And in just in case, I got to say this as a disclaimer. Um, in case you've never heard me preach, I'll, I'll just disclaim by saying this. I usually don't get invited more than once to preach at a place. It's actually a miracle that New Philadelphia invited me back. Um, but I don't. I don't come to impress. I actually do come to offend. I come to offend you out of your religion, out of your tradition, out of your normality. And if you walk away feeling more blessed than you were upset, I didn't do my job. Mm. You laugh now, but let's see later. Um, and that doesn't usually work out when you take the offering the next day. But um, praise God. Um, I got some stuff I want to give away before we get started because I want to jump into this word. Um, but, uh, you know, Mickey Cho, if you, if you don't have this CD, you're retarded. I'm just going to put it like that. Um, this is an amazing CD. Mickey, uh, he produced this CD all by himself. It's called PTL. And if you're Korean, you know what that means. Praise the Lord. Um, I don't know what that is. I, I just started pastoring in Korean church. And you guys like to, uh, you know, put an acronym for everything. It's like P-Dell. And don't call me P-Dell. That just sounds disgusting. Um... <laughs> But he put this song together, and there's some amazing songs. The thing I love, I prophesied this over Mickey, um, actually at our last collide, and I told him, I said, I felt like the Lord said um, that he was going to have some divine connections even here in Korea, and that God was going to do some things. Because one of the things that I believe God wants to do in the arts and entertainment world all across, all across the world is he wants, to, he wants to let the enemy know that I've got more creative people in the church than I do in the world. I'm telling you, it's, it's about time. The next time we hear that there's a Christian movie, you shouldn't have to sigh and go... Oh, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. The only movie you enjoyed was Passion of the Christ. And that's because it was done by some... No, no, I won't go. Um... But I believe God's going to begin to tell the world of arts and entertainment that it's possible for you to uh, for you to be talented and not have to dress with half your clothes on, not have to back it up, slip it up, slap it up, reverse it in. Oh, come on. Um, it's possible for you to be anointed and entertaining. So I want to give this seat to someone. It's 10,000. 10,001. Is that how much it is? 10,001. Somebody just... Okay, I'm going to pass. Just, yeah, it's always bad. I know. It's always bad. You always get somebody who needs to have a healing service after that. Um, and then I brought a bunch of products. And here's what I want you to know. When you're giving in the offering tonight, um, and you're giving in the offering the other nights, when you the, all the money that comes to me and all that stuff, it doesn't go straight to me. It, we seed it all back into the Philippines. I love... I'm not Filipino by any nature, in case you couldn't tell by my height. But... Um, <laughs> I, I love, oh, because Asians are really tall. Is that, is that, did I make a mistake? Am I? I see I got about 10 minutes with some people. They're just offended already. I haven't even started my sermon. Um, but, but when you give, we, we sow it into the ministry and, um, I've, I've got a dream. I've got a dream that in my generation, when I go to the Philippines, I'm not going to have to have kids knocking on my window, begging me for money because God's going to end the poverty that's in the world. And we have some people there, you know, one of the, the hardest spirits to cast out is just that spirit of stupid. And, um, if you have that spirit, don't come to me for ministry. Cause I don't, uh, uh, pray it out. I slap it out. Um, but I had one guy come up to me and said, you know, well, Jesus said, you know, and you know, 
Whenever, it feel like, whenever some Pentecostal person, they just always shake their head when they want to tell you a piece of their mind. What Jesus said, you know, the poor you would have always. And, and, you know, that might be the case. But it is possible for there to be poverty, but not in a certain country. And so what I'm saying is that, and uh, there's too much to go into that, that I, you know, I got some tapes back there you can buy. Just go into it. Um, but I, I'm believing that in the country of the Philippines, it will not be true that, that the poor you will have always in that nation. Because we're going to teach that nation how not to implode and to come into uh, agreement with corruption, but we're going to change the mindset because how many people know that poverty is not a financial condition, but it's a, and, 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 and here's my problem that Oprah seems to do more than the church does. Oh, y'all don't know who Oprah is here, huh? Either that, I'm just going to be tough getting some amens tonight. Um, I believe that the church, uh, statistics prove, I don't know how it is in Korea, but statistics prove in the, in the States that less than 10% of the finances that come into the church actually go to outside missions. And that needs to change. Shut down your pretty steeple and build an orphanage. I know that's not that deep and you won't hear it on TBN, but I'm going to say it. It's, it's about time that we start doing something with poverty. And so we got some stuff that we want you to check out. We actually have a really cool t-shirt that's, you know, it's my size. It's, I know some people look at it. They say, what kind of demon is that? It's not a demon. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually a popular, this is the logo of a really popular shirt brand uh, in the California called Rad is Rad. Uh, and what they decided to do, and these are, these are unbelievers. Um, and I don't know how many of you have ever heard of them, but they're a really cool brand over in California. Um, and, and they decided, they said, we want to do something for poverty. So what we'll do is we'll make a t-shirt and all of the proceeds, 100% of it after overhead costs, we'll just kick it straight to you. So every time you buy this t-shirt, you're actually feeding 60 faces. Now it is 20,001. Uh, but some of you spend that at a movie. So um, I want you to go back there and, and get a T-shirt. How many people want this T-shirt? Okay, go buy it in the back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and then I got a couple CDs. I won't do too much shameless promotion, but I'll do a little bit. Um, I have one CD. A lot of people ask me, what's my testimony? If you've never heard my testimony, it's really powerful. God delivered me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's powerful. I heard it before. Um, uh, this message is actually going all around the world and bless so many people. I get emails all the time from people who've been ministered uh, to by this. I, I used to ask God one time, I said, God, why is my story so tragic? And then I read a, a scripture that said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And God said to me, he said, the reason I could trust you with what I brought you through is because I knew that you would stand on the rooftops, not be ashamed, and you would shout that it is possible for God to do a great work in someone's heart. Because um, you might not have been delivered from anything, but God, sure enough, taught me how to come out of some stuff. I uh, lost my mom when I was four years old to a drunk driver. Uh, lost my dad uh, because he was a he, typical uh, drop, uh, deadbeat dad who left our family and, and went with another woman. My grandmother, who had also lost two of her children and, and two of her husbands um, to death, tragic death, decided to raise us. And me and my two older sisters and my one younger brother, we were raised in a tragic uh, situation where we were beat. We were, um, and how many people know that black people, we don't know what we didn't know what spankings were we knew what beatings were we we didn't know what spankings were my grandmother told me one time she said i'm gonna make you black and blue and since you're already black there's gonna be more blue than black um you just got to be raised with a black grandmother so a whole different experience um um i think i'm still getting delivered from that um <laughs> pastor benjamin knows what i'm talking about um um, but this story, it's, it's a story. God delivered me from sexual perversion, years of sexual perversion, homosexuality. Um, and I want to let me let me deal with some stuff. Uh, people, uh, you know, 
I'm going to get in trouble already. Um, can I just talk real for just a second? Um, I'm, I'm so tired of fake. I'm, I really am. I'm tired of a pastor standing behind pulpits pretending to be perfect. I liked all those P's. That, that was nice. I could put that on a CD, Mickey. Um, but I, I, I just want to stand up here and, and, and stand behind this pulpit. Standing behind this pulpit or this microphone does not tell you that I'm perfect. It tells you that God's brought me through some stuff and he's making me perfect. Um, and this CD is a story of a person who I've been in ministry since I was 14 years old, preached my first sermon, full-time ministry for the last uh, six years. And, and I've gone through ministry and still struggled. Um, I love the testimonies of those people who God brought them out. But I'm one of the testimonies where I got delivered and I'm still being delivered. Okay, I'm the only one. Awesome. Um, but this story, it's, it's, I, I titled it, Where's My Papa? Because I believe that the problem with me was that I didn't have a father. And I'm not talking about an earthly, natural father. I'm actually talking about a spiritual father. I sat in my uh, youth pastor's office one uh, day telling him, I, I just started hearing this language about discipleship and fathering and all that stuff. And I said, hey, I don't know what this is, but I think I need to be discipled. And he looked at me in my eyes and he said, I'm not willing to walk you hand in hand in your walk with God. You're going to have to find somebody else to do it. And the problem with this generation is not that we don't have great teachers because we have some of the most prolific teachers that we've ever had in a generation. Paul said it best. He said, you've got a lot of teachers who will clock in and they have their great jobs, but you don't have many fathers. Because with a teacher, you, and a lot of you are teachers here, you know that you can clock in at 8 and you're done at 5 and you get a paycheck and that's what encourages you. But when you're a father, when it's 2 a.m. and the baby's crying, you've got to feed it whether you want to or not. You got to talk to me. I come from a black church and I, I like the spirit aloud. Um, so this, this CD right here, I'll just give this away to somebody. Mickey, why don't you just help me give this away to somebody? Move a little slower. Come on. Just give that away to somebody. And then I have one more CD that I'll give away. This one right here, I really, you know what? It's, it's bad when your sermon can bless yourself. Yeah. I told, I told Joe, I told, well, Joe's right there. I, I love that guy. Stand up, Joe. Do you guys know that Joe? Stand up. Stand up. We're going to wait until you stand up. Stand up. Look at that guy. Ladies, he is no longer single. He's no longer single. Just take Oh, Aaron's here. Oh, good God. Jeez. Oh, that's going to happen a lot in your life with Joe, so get used to it. Um, but this, I told you, I said, man, I got blessed by my sermon. He said, it should bless you if the Holy Spirit preached to you. I said, okay, I like that. Um, but this sermon right here, it's called Breakthrough Praise. I... I preached this sermon a couple of years ago in North Carolina, one of the most religious places in, in all of the states. And I talked about Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 25. And I talked about how when Paul and Silas were stuck in jail, they didn't go to a conference. They didn't call the pastor for counseling. They didn't go to another altar call. What they did when they were beaten up, broken, busted and disgusted, chained against the wall. Most theologians believe they were deep under the ground with four feet of mucky water. They didn't decide to complain and cry and talk about all that their pastor isn't doing to help them out or find another small group church. Hmm. What they decided to do is instead of opening their mouth up to complain, they decided to open their mouth up to praise. And what you got to understand about praise is that praise isn't as, you know, it's, it's amazing how God works because God is the best investment that you can get. Um, if you invest your tongue into the things of God, he'll return it to you at least bottom, bottom line, bottom, bottom is, is 7% or seven times, seven times, not 7%, but seven times. Um, we used to have a saying that when praises go up, blessings come down, but I I want to tell you when praises goes up god comes down so this sermon right here is called breakthrough praise help me give this away uh mickey <laughs> 
But um, if you really want it, you just need to go back there and get it. it it'll, there's a bunch of stuff back there that will bless you, a lot of uh, resources. And everything that you buy from that book table, the CDs and all that stuff, DVDs back there. Um, I have one. I hope they found it. It's called A Whore's Love Story. That's a good one right there. Um, that will teach you about God marrying over again a whore. It's in the Bible. That's why I don't need to watch K-dramas. I got this thing. Um, but before I get started, there's a couple of people I want to introduce. If uh, you came with Joe, stand up. Justin, stand up. Yuri, stand up. Pastor Benjamin, everybody stand up. All those guys. A little bit slower, Joe. A little bit slower. Awesome. These guys, I want you to give them a round of applause. They came with me this week. Came to minister. Yuri, um, I mean, Justin's here already, but he's one of my, one of my spiritual sons there. But Yuri came all the way from Japan to be with us. He's going to be, um, over in the Philippines with us. We leave right after this to head over to the Philippines. We're going to feed a couple thousand people and just do our thing. And, and Joe and, and Pastor Benjamin, you guys, if you've never, how many people have never heard Pastor Benjamin preach? Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. If you've never heard Pastor Benjamin preach or minister, you need to be here tomorrow night. He's going to blow it up. I'm his little, I'm his little brother. I can't do nothing better than him. He's just got it all down. Um, but are you ready for the word tonight? Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn on your feet, turn it, or stand on your feet, uh, turn, turn to the book of Revelations. People always get scared when you preach from this uh, book. But how many people know that the book of Revelations is not the revelation of Satan or the mark of the beast or the end time Israel? It's the mark. It's the revelation of Jesus himself. And so when uh, the only way you get scared if you if you read the book of Revelations is if you're not ready. I'll preach that sermon one day too. just look at your neighbor and ask him, are you ready to be offended tonight? Just ask him. Wait for an answer. Wait for an answer. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you need some more time, say hold up. All right, we'll wait for you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Here's what it says. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are not, catch this, you are neither hot nor cold. I would that you would either be hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of your mouth. Listen, this is not some prophet talking. This is Jesus himself. He's saying, because you're lukewarm, you disgust me. I'll spit you out of your mouth. Verse 17. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, uh, pitiful, Poor, blind, and naked. I just love the way that Jesus talks to the seeker-sensitive church. I'm going to read that one more time because some of you didn't catch it. Verse 17. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous 
and repent. God, we thank you for your word, that your word cuts down to the very marrow of our spirit. And so I'm asking once again, God, that you would preach tonight because I just want to be your hype man, God. I just want to hype you up tonight. We need you to come and just increase your presence in this place. And I pray not only would you anoint me to preach the word, but would you anoint these um, amazing servants of the Lord to receive and be convicted by the word, God. We need to be convicted more. We need conviction more, Lord. We need to sense that, that we need to get ourselves straight. So I thank you for it, and I pray that you would move by your spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 You can have a seat. You can have a seat. I, I've been going, I, I've been doing ministry for 10 years now, and I've been doing full-time ministry for about six years. I preached my first sermon when I was 14, and I've been going to church my whole life ever since nine months before I was born. It's just, it's just been that way. And I know how to have church. I know when the fast songs are supposed to play, and what part you're supposed to jump to, and what part of the slow songs you put your hands up like this, and then when you turn it, because you want to receive at the end of the song, just like that. And I know when to come down to the altar call, and I know when something's awkward. I know when somebody's out of line, when somebody needs an usher to bulldoze them out of the sanctuary. I know know how to have church but one of the problems that i have in the church um and i'm going to talk a little bit about the church of america but i think it's true about the church of korea for the past 10 months and somebody asked me pastor Dell, are you pre-tribulation post-tribulation or are you mid-tribulation i told him i'm post-tribulation because I, I pastored in a korean church <laughs> i better be careful because i work for joe's dad so <laughs> i better watch out i I love the senior pastor. <laughs> it's those gypsum names. Amen. We're going to have fun tonight. It's all right. Just laugh. <laughs> if you're religious, you just don't come tomorrow. You're going to hate it even more. <laughs> ah, Jesus. Um, but I, I've been going to church, and one of the problems that I have with church, is, and, and, and it's been my problem ever since I was young, because I remember being a young person, and, and one of the things that I would do ever since that age, I was, I was 11 years old, and when everybody else wanted to go hang out at the different places and wanted to go do different crazy stuff, you could find little Dell in that little prayer meeting with eight fat women and one little white woman who was the leader of it and praying till kingdom comes. And, and when everybody else would show up to church 30 minutes late, Dell, seven years old, was there for early morning prayer in a black church. Yeah, we were doing early morning prayer too. And, 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 and I remember going to the youth camps and getting saved for the 34,000 times. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know what I'm talking about. And I know what it's like. To go to a spiritual high and go through this thing where God, you are absolutely amazing. I went to Niagara Conference, Pastor Benjamin, Sarah, they preached it up and I know I'm saved. And then by the time Wednesday comes, not even can believe that God is real. I know what it's like to go to Collide for the weekend and, and get pumped up and say, I'm going to tear my school upside down for God. And then by next Wednesday, you're cussing out every teacher. I know what it's like. To feel like, man, I've come from a place that is so spiritually high. And to have to go to a place that is, um, I'll put it this way, it's, it's normal. One of the biggest problems with the church, not only of America, not only the church of Korea, but the church of the world, is that we have settled for radical to becoming normal. And I want to talk to you tonight, not about the issues of sexual immorality in the church. 
I don't want to talk to you tonight about the, the pastors who have called me and who have told me I want to give up and I want to do something that, that I know I shouldn't do. I don't want to talk to you about sin and all that kind of, I want, I, because I feel like if we, if we get this issue of normal out of the way, I know what it's like to, to come back from a youth conference and then come back to my church, jump up and down because I was going crazy for the Lord and somebody to come up to me and say, brother, it doesn't take all that. Huh. I know this hasn't happened at your church, but in my experience, I, I know what it's like for people to not be hungry for something more, but to be hungry for I, and Let me just help you out. I, I, I think that that until um, one of the reasons that so many uh, churches in third world countries have seen the power of God is simply and I'm just put this out and some of you are gonna get mad at me, but it's OK because you probably didn't give an offering anyway. Um, one of the biggest problems is money. I could go to the Philippines and go to any dump and start a church and build a mega church like that. You know why? Because they understand their natural poverty in response to understanding their spiritual poverty. And if you don't believe me, look at the book of Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, when Jesus is talking to the church of Laodicea and he's saying that you're pitiful, you're blind, you're poor, you're all these things. But the way he starts it off is he says that it's because you're rich. It's because you've got money that you've got no need for anything. Because you live in a nice house and you might be in an apartment and dear God, we need to pray that God enlarges the apartments of Korea. Cause I've got shoes bigger than some of your rooms, man. But most of us in this room have more than two thirds of the world ever have. If you have, I love what Joe told me one time. He said, if you've got a hundred dollars in your bank account, you've got food and God knows I've got food and you've got clothes over your back. Then you've got more than two thirds of the world. And the problem with most of us in this room and the reason why we refuse to be radical is because we've got too much money. Hmm. <laughs> oh, Jesus, this going to be tough. The reason that you can't find yourself coming to a place to seem that you are desperate without him is because you really don't need him. The reason you don't ask God for healing over and over again because you have a doctor. The reason, the reason you don't cry out to God to pay the next bills because you can get a loan. And what I want to talk to you tonight about is that your earthly riches are nothing to God. I, I and understand I'm not, some of you are going to think I'm angry tonight. I'm not angry. I'm just passionate to see. I, I'm just, I'm just tired of BS in the church. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired of, I'm tired of altar calls where people fall all over the floor and get up and can't speak to their neighbor. You can speak in tongues, but turn that Shondo into a hello. Come on, talk to me. Stop speaking in tongues and speak in English. Because I'm tired of going to early morning prayer and watching all these deacons and all these leaders pray and cry out to God and chew your Hananim Abaji, and, and then they get in the kitchen and they've got a bad attitude. <laughs> I, I'm tired of sitting with preachers who can preach well and preach at the big conferences and their biggest disgust, well, I, I didn't get paid enough. I'm not going back to that church because, and, and you know, we hide behind this thing. They don't honor me. Screw. Oh, oh. I, sorry, I got to jump back in the spirit. I got to jump back. I, I didn't tell you, I'm only about 75% saved. God's going to get me tonight. He's still working on that last 25%. I'm, I'm tired of pastors being scared to pastor because they're afraid of their board of demons. Deacons, sorry. 
I'm tired, and, and, and let's just bring this down to home. I'm tired, I'm tired of you not doing what God is calling you to do because you're more afraid of your parents than you are of God. <laughs> uh, I don't think my mic's on because I didn't get enough amens on that one. I'm telling you, the more amens I get, I'll just stop getting in your business tonight. <laughs> Somebody said, please don't get in my business. Jesus. <laughs> I'm tired of us thinking that church is every Sunday morning from, from, and if you go to one of the modern churches from 9 to 9.15, I'm tired of people thinking that that's church. I've often asked God, what if you took away Sunday morning services, what would church look like then? What if we couldn't have cell groups? I'm tired of exaggerations when people saying they have hundreds of thousands of people in their church when they've got about 50. Oh, Jesus. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of junk. Because I, I have a feeling that when Jesus died and he spent those nine hours on the cross and he took him down from heaven, from his royalty and to a place of, of, of disgrace and humiliation, I don't think Jesus died so that we could have the Collide Conference in Itaewon. Because most of us have had so many sermons and we're filled up and we're spiritually obese. Some of you said, thank God I'm not like you physically obese. Jesus. Watch your back. I am prophetic. <laughs> Most of us don't need another conference. We don't need another sermon. We just need to take about 20% of the stuff that we've already heard and applied it. What if you stopped looking at your Bible as a history book and started looking at it as a textbook? I'm tired of seminaries producing people who want jobs and not callings. I'm just going to talk tonight. I'm, I'm, maybe I am kind of angry. I don't know. Hmm. I'm tired of the definition of a deacon being a person who's been in the church for a long time and works really hard. When the Bible tells me that Philip was doing signs, wonders, and miracles, that's a deacon. I'm tired of us honoring great pastors, but nobody ever graduates apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. Oh, man, that's for the people who think that the fivefold ministry is dead. There you go. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to dive into this thing and I want to use Samson as a backdrop because we know Samson as the guy who slept with Delilah. But I want to tell you that Samson did more than cut off his hair to break his covenant. I want to prove to you tonight that there were several things that Samson did and and understand that a Nazarite, everybody say Nazarite with me and say Nazarite. Nazarite. A Nazarite was a person who did not cut their hair. They did not drink wine. They did not drink anything that came from grapes. And they did not touch anything that was dead. And, man, I probably couldn't be a Nazarite because I go to plenty of dead churches. And I told God one time, if... I told God, I said, I wish um, that, that I could stop seeing pews shaped like coffins because we see believers sit in these chairs and they die to the real calling. I get a little poetic with the Lord every now and then. Hmm. I, I want to use Samson as a backdrop, and I don't want to talk about sexual compromise because when I look at the story of Samson, I would never really actually see Samson sexually compromised. And so I never understand why youth pastors want to preach that to get your hand away from what's in your pants. I, I want to talk to you about... Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about again. <laughs> Wrong church. <laughs> um, I... And, and so I don't want to use Samson as a backdrop to talk about sexual purity or staying away from pornography because if you're still stuck in that, you like it. Oh, jeez. And I can prove it to you. Because the scripture says you can't have two masters. You're going to love one and you're going to hate the other. 
well, Pastor Dell, I really do love Jesus. I mean, I'm just struggling with it. No, no, no. You love it and you hate Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, Pastor Dell, I would do my calling, but you know this job. No, you love your money and you hate Jesus. I know they won't reach this on TV, but this isn't being recorded, so it's okay. Um, um, <laughs> Jesus. I told you I never get invited back twice to speak. <laughs> you figured out why. <laughs> I want to use Samson as a backdrop tonight to talk to you about what it is to compromise from your place of being a radical believer, from being a Nazarite, not to being a person who is in sexual compromise, because I don't think that that is the thing that disgusts God the most in our generation. I think the thing that disgusts God the most is the same thing that Samson fall into, which was coming from a place of radical lifestyle to a place of normality. Hmm. The Bible says that Samson was birthed from a barren woman. And an angel from the Lord came to this woman and said, I want you to raise this child as a Nazarite. The first thing I want to stop and talk to you about is spiritual parenting. You don't need a pastor. You need a father. And, and understand, most of us are not really being pastored and not willing to be pastored anyway. Because as soon as the pastor tells us something we don't want to hear. Oh, I just feel like the Lord is leading me down the street to. It's interesting that I told God, I said, God, I feel bad for you sometimes because you seem to be the most misquoted person in our generation. He's visited by, the parents are visited by God through an angel and given a message and understand you cannot be birthed into a radical lifestyle without being, without being under leadership that is radical. Because radical produces radical. Um, when I stepped into uh, the airport and I stepped off the airport, nobody looked at me and said, I wonder what part of Korea he's from. Because my parents are not Korean. My parents' parents are not Korean. They can only birth out what you see on the stage tonight. A chunky little good-looking black man. Uh, why? Because it begets itself. And the reason you're normal is because your pastor is normal. <laughs> uh, I'm just meddling a little bit. That's all right. If just take it if it applies to you. <laughs> they 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 were birthed in a place of radical. They were birthed out of radical. I, I had a youth. I had a parent come up to me and parent. It's, it's bad when a parent comes up to me because they never win. Um, but a parent came up to me and said, you know, and usually they, she said, I, I just want to, can I talk to you for a second? And usually when people want to talk to me, they either want to, one, give me money or one, two, tell me off. And knowing me, it's normally the latter. Um, and so she came up to me and she said, I just want to, you know, talk to you a little bit. And I said, okay. Um, and I said, what do you want to talk about? She said, well, um, well, um, uh, I, I just think, um, you know, you're, you're not the best, you know, fit for the job. And I said, um, are we talking about being a personal trainer or what are, what are we talking about? She said, um, I said, I said, what are you talking about? You got to be clear with me because I was raised a little slow. So you got to help me out. Talk, talk to me straight. Uh, she said, well, I, I, I think that you, you, maybe you just need a little help. I said, well, you know, advise me. What do I need a little help? With? She said, well, you've been here for, you know, a couple months in the youth group. It, you know, it just hasn't really exploded. I said, oh, yeah, I've been here for well, two months. It hasn't really exploded. Just give it some time. She said, well, see, you don't understand. See, your messages are just too radical. She said, you're going to turn some people away, which I find interesting because Jesus was never begging people to come to church. He was splitting them in the middle. <laughs> 
You didn't read that part of the New Testament, huh? I said, if we could get a better picture of Jesus, we would have better pictures of Christians because most of us in this room picture Jesus with blonde hair, blue eyes, and he's homosexual. Oh, you're sinning? Oh, stop it if you want to. It's okay, girlfriend. And it's sad because you become what you behold. So she continued, I let her talk. She said, I think you need to get a couple video games and you need to have some extracurricular activities. I said, um, um, I have young people in my uh, youth group who uh, have tried to commit suicide. I have young people who have been addicted to all kinds of drugs. I have young people who have been hurt sexually. And you tell me that the solution to their problem is a PlayStation. And I said, on top of that, your son wasn't here this morning and he doesn't really like to come to church. And so you've produced a lukewarm child and you want to teach me how to raise up a generation that's on fire. I find that interesting. I said, excuse me, Gypsanim. When See, don't mess with me. I said, Gypsanim. I said, I used to be 100 pounds fatter. I told my young people that. I said, I used to be 100-something pounds bigger. And then I lost some weight. They said, dang, you must have been like 1,000-something pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I told, I said, I used to be a couple, I used to be a hundred pounds, you know, heftier, you know, we're in the, we can't say fatter in the new generation. We've got to be secret and heftier, um, <laughs> thicker. And I said, I, used to be, I said, one time, you know, the trainer came and she would make me, and I hate personal trainers. If you're a personal trainer, I, and maybe I don't hate, I strongly dislike you. Um, <laughs> And she came to me and she was making me, and one of the most annoying exercises to do, the things they call them squats. It's a f- four letter word, squat. Um, <laughs> um, and, and she made me do the squat. And I just, I didn't see the point of the squats. I just felt pain. I said, something is not right. And now understand, my personal trainer, she had an 18 pack. She had muscles in her earlobes. She could lift weights that I lift with my hands with her nostrils. <laughs> and I looked around one day when she was making me do all these squats. And I said to her, you have no idea what you're talking about. And I said to the gypsy, I said, gypsy, who do you think? is ridiculous in this situation. She said, that would be you, Pastor Dell. You're the ridiculous one. I said, well, Gypsy, I'm a spiritual personal trainer and you're really fat. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't been fired yet. Now, I don't say that to be mean. I say that to be confrontational. And if Korean churches would learn how to be healthily, healthy confrontationally, maybe we would have churches that don't speak in tongues, but actually win the loss and love the poor. Oh, man. <laughs> My problem is that just like that gypsum who has produced a lukewarm son, our pastors have produced lukewarm children because we refuse to be fathers. The last message I preached in this is, is, is where are the fathers? The last thing you find in the book of Malachi before the Old Testament or before the Old Testament is ended is that God cries out and says, I need the hearts of the fathers to return to the sons and the sons to return to the fathers. Notice that the sons don't return to the fathers first. It's not about the rebellious generation. It's about the fathers who don't father the rebellious generation. That's not part of my message, but I'll give you that for free. <laughs> I love black people. So the first thing that we find with Samson and Judges, and, I'm, and I don't have time to really read it all over because it would take me all over the place, but we're looking at Judges 13 through 16. The first thing that we find in the book of Judges when, is that Samson is not birthed a Nazarite by himself, but he is raised a Nazarite. He is raised to think that two-hour services are abnormal. He is raised to think that just having a Bible study a week makes you a radical believer. 
He is raised to think something different above the rest. Understand that they were so radical in their ways. And, and if you read about Nazarites, Nazarites didn't cut their hair. And not only did they not cut their hair, most of them would not even comb their hair because they didn't want locks and, and hair to fall out. That's how bad it was. That's how desperate they were to be radical. Understand, he was being raised a radical believer. But here's the second thing you've got to understand about coming under fathership. There comes a time where you are not just fathered, but you become a father. And most people think that they are disciples of Jesus without having disciples of Jesus. 20 years, and you still can't counsel anybody? You've been a believer 15 years, and you still can't host a Bible study? Well, I just don't feel prepared. I had somebody come up to me and say, Pastor Doug, I've been at my job for five years and, and nobody knows that I'm a Christian. And I said, it's probably because you're not. Well, I, Pastor Doug, I mean, I just, I'm afraid of getting fired. You're telling me that you're afraid of getting fired? The Bible says that John was boiled in oil. There were people like Stephen who were stoned to death. People who were pulled apart by horses. And you're afraid of losing a 401k plan. I just don't understand why the world is getting darker. Maybe the world's not getting darker. Maybe the light is getting less lighter. <sighs> Jesus. I feel like there comes a point where you've been fathered for so long that you have to become a father. The Bible says there came a time where Samson grew up. And the problem with Samson is that he was proud. One of the things that will keep you from growing in the Lord is your attitude. And I, and I got to teach you this in Collide this weekend because your pastor's not going to talk about this because he wants to keep you in the church. So I got to talk to you about your nasty attitude. I got to talk to you about how you talk about the pastor behind his back. Oh, I'm, oh no, you don't talk about the back. You don't talk about people. You share. We need to pray. You know, I grew up in that kind of church. We just, you know, we need to pray for sister so-and-so because her baby had another baby outside of marriage. And, you know, just, you, we don't, we don't gossip. We share. <laughs> and, and you've got to understand that you've got to come to a place where you've got to get yourself straight. Now understand tomorrow and the next day after that, we're going to have some glorious times. We're going to get ministered to you and get prophesied over. But before we get there, we got to clean up your mess. We got to clean up your house. Now, my, I love what one of my spiritual moms says. She says that the, gra- the grade of the church is the condition of the world. Catch this. She says, you look at the world in this condition and that will tell you the grade of the church. So we think that God, and I live in California, so everybody thinks California is going to slip into the ocean and die off and go to hell by a tsunami. Um, and I find it interesting that the only prophets prophesy that are the ones who live on the East Coast. But I love it because people come to us and they say, you know, you're from California, so you, you know, you're just going to... And I, and I say, if God judges California, it's not going to be because there's so many sinners, because God doesn't look at sinners and go, oh my gosh, they're sinning. Like he's Jehovah's surprise. God never judges a nation or a city based on the amount of the unrighteous. He judges a city or a nation based on the lack of the righteous. <laughs> he said, all you need is 10. So people get scared when North Korea starts bombing South. Oh, I'm going to talk about when North Korea starts bombing South Korea and says, oh, it's the end times. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe we, we don't need the world to get saved. Maybe we need the church to get saved. <sighs> so we find that we come to a place. Samson's being father and he grows up and he starts living his life and he starts finding his wife. Catch this. 
Samson starts looking for someone to come into covenant to. And the Bible says that he looks for a woman who's not from their clan. And the parents beg him, don't get a woman who's not from our clan. What were they saying? Now, when I first read this, I thought there was racism in here. And so I was really going to preach it to the Korean parents. <laughs> Talked to one Korean mom. I said, are you racist? She said, oh, of course not. I said, what if your son marries a black woman? Oh, <laughs> funny, funny. <laughs> You're laughing because you've been there too. But, and, and, <clears throat> look, I'm helping Benjamin over there because he's married to a Korean woman. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, he's going to buy this tape. <laughs> um, but he, the parents are begging him do not find a wife from a different nation. Now, when I looked at it with the prophetic eyes and understand, I'm going to preach like women drive. We're just going to go through this thing and look at the scenery. Um, <laughs> just preach prophetically. Um, when you look at this with prophetic eyes, you don't see that the parents are being racist. What do you see? They're saying, don't come into covenant with someone who's not from our clan. Your biggest problem is that you're surrounded with people who are normal. The thing that holds you back is that you're the smartest person in your circle. You're the best businessman amongst your friends. See, people say, Pastor Dell, what is your success? You do all kinds of stuff. What is your success? I surround myself with people who are better than me. But most of us can't surround ourselves with people who are more radical than us because we're too humble. We're too proud to change. You can't change with having pride. That's why in 1 Corinthians, he says, the first thing you got to do, if you're going to turn from your will, you've got to humble yourself. Can we just get over this? Get over yourself. Most of us are not filled with the Spirit. We're, full, we're filled with ourselves. We're full of ourselves. As soon as pastor doesn't say, that, you know, say something we don't like, we're out of there. You're not wanting to be pastor. You wanted to be babysat. So my young people, I said, I'm tired of telling you to come to church on time. You know what time church started last week and you know what time it started the week before. Oh, I know this isn't deep, but it's going to help somebody out. What if you stopped coming to church 30 minutes late and started coming 30 minutes early so the pastor couldn't preach anymore, but the power of God showed up. Oh, oh, see, you think that it's the pastor's job to pump you up because he's a spiritual cheerleader. See, what would, what would happen... What would happen if we stopped treating our pastors like cheerleaders and started listening to them like coaches, like the Bible tells us? Because the Bible says that the five-fold ministry is not the ones who do the ministry, actually. It says it's to give to the body, to prepare the body to do the work of the ministry. So the ministry doesn't happen in church at the altar call when you Shandai and Hyundai and Toyota. The ministry happens when you're standing in that demonic school next to that homosexual teacher and all of a sudden the spirit of God that's in you overflows out of you and he gets convicted and he says, I don't know why, but I feel different every time you come around. That's the ministry. The ministry is not you getting ordained to become a pastor. It's you are getting ordained to be a son and a daughter. I don't... This whole, and I'm, oh man, I'm so mad because I've been in a Korean church for 10 months and there's some foolishness that needs to clean up. I can't recognize you because you're a Tinjo Sunny. Did I say all right? 
Shindosane. Yeah. Booga booga. No, no, no. You're not a real pastor. You're not a moksanin. You're not ordained. Somebody asked me, because I'm a, mo- a moksanin. What does it mean that you're a moksanin? It means that 10 white people, fat old white people sat around a table and said that it's okay for you to preach. I, I told some of my sons, I said, don't worry about being ordained by men. You got to get ordained by God because there's a whole lot of preachers who are going to get to heaven who are ordained by men but never ordained by God. There's going to be a lot of pastors who are supposed to be ushers. <laughs> oh, did I tell you I have a small youth group? <laughs> I don't even know where I'm at. I'm going to just talk tonight. Bible says that Samson came to a place where he came into covenant, watch this, with compromise. And I want to tell you, I preached a sermon, and I think it's back there. I talked about the turmoil of deliverance. And I talked about the hardest thing about getting you from the place of Egypt, because it's easy to get the people out of Egypt. But it's a lot harder to get the Egypt out of the people. It's easy, and and I know you're not with him anymore, and he was your ex-boyfriend, but you know you still want to be with him. That's, oh, that's why you didn't delete him from your Facebook friends. That's why, that's, still checking up on him every 30 days. Oh, I'm going to bless somebody tonight. No, it's easy to get the people out of Egypt, but it's a lot harder to get the Egypt out of people. That's why every time people would come up to circumstances, they would want to turn back. The children of Israel, they would want to turn back and desire those things. Now, they did not go back to Egypt, but they wanted to. And most of us have come out of a place of being normal, Egypt. We've come out of that place. But I want to ask you, do you want to go back to being normal? I know you're radical now and that you amen loud loud now. But when you're walking down the street and God wants you to lay hands on that sick person, are you going to keep on walking? Amen, Pastor Dell. You're preaching good. Thank you, brother. No, it's too late. It's too late. He came to a place where he came into compromise and he came into covenant with compromise. Some of your best friends are normal. What do you, I, I talk to young people who come into my office, and, and if, you, if you're under the age of 18 and you have a girlfriend, you just learn how to spell love. Oh. It's like you come into my office and say, Pastor Dell, I'm just really struggling. What are you struggling about, bro? You know, I'm just, this girl, you're 13. <laughs> you just found out that you're not a girl. Did I tell you they don't let me counsel either? <laughs> I, I usually got two words that I say through the counseling session. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just really struggling. I have adults who come into my office and say, Pastor Dahl, I'm really struggling. I have this thing. And I'm, I'm saying, catch this. The children of Israel, they wanted to go back to Egypt because the food was good. <laughs> I preach that. <laughs> They wanted to go back to a place of slavery where they were in bondage being beaten because the food was good. See, you'll never know what's inside of you until you're squeezed. See, you, I know you're saved now because we're in a big church, 200 people, and we're all saved and we're all shouting and we're all jumping. But what are you going to go back? What are you going to be like when you go back to your church? 
and people don't think the same way that you think. You go back to your school, Christian school, and people don't feel the same way that you feel. See, you've got to understand that one of your biggest things is that you're going to have to come into covenant with people who say being normal is not okay. Showing up to church 15 minutes late again is not okay. Being a believer for 10 and 15 years and you still have no disciples is not okay. Well, I'm not a pastor. Are you serving? Are you a child of God? I'm just talking about normality. So Samson comes into covenant with this woman who is from a different clan. And I want to show you that Samson, and this is what I'm going to prove tonight. Samson did not just break his covenant by cutting his hair. Because we all know about that part. That's the easy part. But I, I want to show you that Samson came into covenant. Uh, he broke his covenant a couple different ways. First way is that when Samson uh, was walking along and he found his woman. How many people know Man, women can cause some trouble sometimes? Um, <laughs> Just make you, you know, with Brian McKnight, I get so weak in the knees, I can, you know, this is, <laughs> that's back in Egypt. I'm going to leave that back there. But he's walking along one day. The Bible says that he sees these bees hovering and he sees honey. Now, honey was a valuable thing back then. Something you really desired. I still desire a honey. Amen. <laughs> and it's still expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you get that on the way home. <laughs> but he's walking by this carcass. Catch this. He reaches in the honey inside the carcass. Now remember, you can't touch anything that's dead. But I'm going to go for the honey that's inside the dead thing. Catch this. I know your education is sweet. But it's inside of a dead thing. I know that six-figure job is sweet, but it's inside of a dead thing. I have young people in my church who say, Pastor Dell, I don't know what I'm called to do. Maybe you should talk to your boss. You say, Pastor Dell, I have no idea. I, I feel like I'm supposed to go to college and I feel like I'm supposed to go to a four-year degree. Did God tell you that or did your mom tell you that? Because I know she says it's sweet, but is it in a dead thing? I know you've been dating for five years and I have no idea why you're dating somebody for five years and still not married. And I know he's sweet, but is he inside of a dead thing? What are you saying? I know it tastes good, but does it cause you to compromise? And listen, I'm not talking about getting into bed with somebody because a lot of us are not going to come Monday morning and get into bed with somebody. But a lot of us will spend time with God for 20 minutes in the morning and then not think about him for the rest of the day. I know that thing is sweet, but is it in a dead thing? Did I tell you we're just cleaning stuff up tonight? We're going to have fun tomorrow and the day after that. <laughs> Benjamin's going to preach tomorrow. He'd make you happy. <laughs> I know it's sweet and the car's sweet. My church is in debt. And every time we ask for money, they tell me there's no more money. And then I say, Pastor, I looked inside the parking lot. I know there's money. Oh, no, because it's my stuff. <laughs> but, see, I had somebody come up to me and say, Pastor Dell, I, I just believe 10% tithing, all that stuff, it's Old Testament. I said, brother, you are absolutely right. 10% tithing, it is Old Testament. Let's jump over to the book of Acts, where the Bible says that they gave everything to the church. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. 
See, I tell my young people, I said, that dollar won't do in our offering. I said, you give quickly is more money than you give God. Oh, Jesus. Man, there goes half the crowd right there. But he touches the debt thing for the sweet thing. And I know it's sweet, but is it debt to you? Some of you are here for a year, taking a year off. I don't know what that's about. Take a year off. I would have loved it. Jesus, you know, mom, I don't feel like being savior today. I'm just going to take a year off. I mean, life's just hard. It's just tough. I'm, I'm going to go on a sabbatical. Really? I know being in Korea is sweet, but is it what you're called to do? Because you might not be sleeping with somebody, you might not be getting drunk, but you will be compromising if you're here and God never called you to be here. I know you're in seminary and you're in Bible college, but is it what God called you to do? I know it looks sweet and everybody else is doing it, but sweetheart, like they told me, just because my grandmother used to tell me that, just because everybody is doing it, don't mean you got to do it. That's just stuff I learned in Black Grandma 101. If everybody going to jump off a bridge, are you going to jump off a bridge? I said, if we bungee jump, I might. But he touches the sweet. Can you stay with me for five more minutes? Can I get five more minutes? Okay, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty. About forty-five minutes right there. Uh, you better not mess with me. I was preaching in North Carolina one time, and I was preaching. They said, you can have as much time as you wanted. We went for seven hours, and I left. I left because I was hungry. <laughs> Anybody from the South know about Cracker Barrel? That, oh, hey. Sorry, I had to shout for a minute. Come back, come back. Anytime you can, anytime the whole menu is deep fried. This is that deep fried okra, deep fried apples, deep fried water. It's just everything was deep fried. Dear God, is this heaven? Have I been raptured? The first thing he does is he touches a dead thing for the sweet thing. Compromise number one. The second thing he does, and this is who that we all know about. Everybody say Delilah. Delilah. Now, Delilah was from a place. It was called the Valley, and I might be saying this wrong, but it was called the Valley of Sobek, I believe, or something to that effect. She's from that valley. That word right there, you know what it means? It means Valley of Grapes. Catch this. I'm not drinking wine. But I'm coming into covenant with somebody who's from the Valley of Grapes. Now remember, he wasn't supposed to touch grapes, come anywhere near it. And he's finding his covenant partner in the place he's not supposed to find. I know she's sexy and she looks like a Coke bottle. (laughs) But is she going the same direction that you're going? Somebody told me one time, said, run as fast as you can. Look to your right. Run as fast as you can in the Lord. Look to your right and see who's running with you. And that's who you're supposed to marry. But most of us are slowing down so that we can, because, I, you know, I'm getting older now and I just need to settle down. And my mom needs, you know, you know, come on, talk to me. Don't get quiet on me now. Some of us after this three day conference just need to break up. <laughs> not you, not you, your neighbor, your neighbor, not you, your neighbor. No, let's, let's just deal with issues. Because you're depressed every two days. And you don't know why. You're, you're in bondage and you don't know why. And let me help you out. And this is going to help a lot of Koreans this morning. Some of your parents are compromised. Hmm. 
Who invited the black people? I told one young person, I had one young person, we have leadership training for four hours every Saturday and I just go hard after them in the word and I just go after them and go after them and I go after them. Did I tell you I go after them? I go after them. And we take care of issues. We talk about putting your hands in your pants and keeping it away. We talk about not drinking. We talk about all that stuff. We talk about the stuff that nobody wants to talk about in church because it doesn't bring more people in. We talk about what we were actually supposed to talk about at the church. And I, and I, and I had one parent come up to me. Man, I told you these parent stories are never good. And says, Pastor Dell, I think you just need to have these discipleship training. I think they're amazing. You just need to have them on Sunday because my son, he'll come if you have it on Sunday because he can stay there all day. I said, if that's what it's going to take to get your son to come, I don't want him to come anyway because he doesn't want to come. Because if you're missing my discipleship training so that you can play basketball, friend, you have a different God. Oh, it doesn't take, you know, Pastor Dell, that's just, no, no, no. Jesus didn't die for you to play basketball. Oh, I'm going to make some people mad. Jesus, Jesus didn't die so that, so that you could be a better basketball player. You're, you're four feet. Where, where are you going anyway? Show me the famous Korean basketball team. Show me, show me. Show. Oh, jeez. Don't worry, y'all got soccer, but we got basketball. Don't. What are you saying now? I, I, I'm, I'm just talking. I, I don't want to pastor a group of normal people. I don't want to pastor a group of people who say, I wonder how much I can do and get away with. I want to pastor a group of people who say, how much can I give up? See, we make fun of the old generation. We talk about how, how old school they were and how religious they were because they kept their ankles down past their, you know, their, they kept their dress past their ankles because somehow, you know, ankles were a temptation back then. Um, and, you know, we call them religious. No, they weren't religious. They were desperate. See, we just need to go back to grandma's faith. We need to go back to locking ourselves in. I remember my, my, my grandmother tells me stories of when they would come inside the church and then somebody would walk out and they would lock the, the door and they would tie a chain around there. And if you died, you just had to wait till Monday. And they didn't have much water and they would just go hard after God. You can't get people to pray five minutes straight without somebody cheerleading them on. Chuyo, chuyo, chuyo. Amen. But we find that our grandparents were moving in some of the most great, the greatest power that we've ever seen. They were laying hands on cancer and watching it fall off. We can't pay to pray away a headache. Maybe if we could pray, we could have power. I had a friend of mine tell me about how he came and he brought a Chinese apostle from the underground church to America and he showed him some of the biggest churches in America or in the, the biggest churches in the LA region. And, and after the tour of all the churches, he, he said to the Chinese apostle, he said, so what do you think of our great churches? He said, well, it's amazing how much you can do without power and without prayer. I'm, I'm telling you, if you've never been a mission trip, it will mess you up. Because I was over in China a couple of years ago, and I was sitting with some of the greatest apostles. It was about 20 men, and they represented millions of underground believers. And we're sitting down talking, and they're telling me stories of how they had one was in jail, and he ate his poop, and he started laughing. And he, <laughs> I counted all joy. Ha, 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 ha. And this one is talking about how they cut his fingernails off and they ripped him off. Ha, ah, I counted all joy. And, and then I, you know, I, I, I hear these stories and then I come back and, you know, somebody comes up to me. Eh, you know, brother, I'm really going through. Well, how can I pray for you? You know, my bills are due. Your bills are due? I just sat with a guy who's been in jail for 30 years. Beaten up. That's suffering.
suffering. We don't know what suffering is. We think when the service goes 20 minutes over, that's suffering. I suggested to our church and some of our leaders, I suggested that we get rid of some of the food after service and that we put that money to missions for a month. You would have thought that I asked them to sign an agreement to blow up South Korea. Well, what are we going to do about our members who are going to leave? Let them. Because if you're here for that food, you're here for the wrong one. Oh, I'm just meddling now. Let me get back to my points. I'm sorry. So he comes into compromise with this woman, Delilah. And catch this. Delilah messed Samson up. Understand that Samson was strong. But understand that his strength was only in his covenant. Your power is not in your ability to take great notes. It's in your power to do the great notes. His power and his strength was in his covenant. But catch this. In his covenant... He finds a woman named Delilah, and we all know that he falls to Delilah, but catch this. Delilah, the word means easy. I'm just saying what I, now I don't speak Greek or Hebrew, but Google does. <laughs> I looked it up, and it means easy, it means manageable. Catch this. When you are breaking your covenant and you're not living in covenant to becoming radical, the things that looked easy and that you used to be able to defeat will soon defeat you because what you allow to take control over you after you've had control over it will devour you. Catch this. A couple of years ago, I think it's Siegfried and Royd. You know, white people are a mess. Y'all are a mess. You know, you know, one day the tiger jumped up and bit the mess out of this man. This homosexual. I mean, sorry, this man. Just, I'm just, I'm just messing. Don't get mad. Blame it on Pastor Christian. And he bit him. And I, and I thought it was interesting because as I watched the news reports, everybody was mad at the tiger. Uh, she preached my sermon. I looked at it and I thought, everybody's mad at the tiger for being a tiger. I said, Siegfried and Royd, catch this. And, and I'm going to make a spiritual point, and it's going to hurt, but get ready. Siegfried and Royd raised the tiger up. And they thought if I could domesticate the tiger, it'll never fight back. One day that tiger reached up and saw that gluteus maximus. And thought, that is some nice meat, and I am a thigh guy. And he went after that thing. Why? Because no matter how much you try to raise that sin, it'll soon devour you. No, no matter how much you try to raise your compromise, it'll come back and it'll hurt you. You might live 20 years as a pastor in compromise, but it'll get you. If you don't believe me, ask Ted Haggard. I'm just talking about compromise and I'm almost done. I get five closes. Comes in compromise with this woman, this easy woman that he should be able to defeat. But because he's lessening his compromise and catch this... It's interesting because when he reached for the honey inside of the dead thing, he broke his covenant there. He still had his power. He still had his strength. The problem with most of us is that because grace covers us, because yes, I know a lot of preachers, I know a lot of preachers will tell you that grace um, doesn't give you permission to sin. But grace says, you sin and I'm still going to re- let you return to me. That's, that's a basic, I don't care how much you like it, don't like it. That's what grace is. It says you screwed up. Okay, now come back. And that's, the thing that hurts a lot of us because we're in compromise and we preached last Sunday and the anointing came. 
We, we, we were proud and, 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 and mean all week long. And we picked up the guitar and we led worship and the power of God came. And we think everything's okay. But Delilah comes. You see, Delilah is the last straw. Because first was the honey, the dead thing. Then was coming into compromise with somebody who was from the land of grapes. Last thing is Delilah, the easy thing. The Bible says that about four times, Samson, and I don't have time to go into it, but four times, about four times, Samson tricked Delilah. And catch this, I, I don't get this. Delilah tells him, says, hey, you know, you know how women are. Hey, baby. You know, because if you want a man to take out the trash, you don't look at him and just make fun. Say, but you know, baby, last time you took out the trash, I saw your legs glisten under that sun. And I just thought, man, just, oh. And any man, real man, will just get up and go for it, right? He'll take out the trash, do the dishes, babysit the kids, change the diapers. <laughs> and, and, and so, and so, you know, she goes, hey, hey, baby, you know, baby, I love you. You know, you know what, what's the secret to your strength? You know, I know you never told nobody, but you know, I'm not just nobody. You know, I'm your boo thing. <laughs> baby, baby, tell me, tell me, what, what is it? You know, and, and, and he tricks her one time and he, you know, and, and see the Bible. It, he says, wrap me up in thongs. It's, it's there. It's there. It's in the scripture. Probably wasn't the time, but I'm saying it's in there. I told my young people, I said, just read your Bible. You won't need K-drama. Just read your Bible. And, 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 and about two or three more times, the same thing happens. Now, what I don't get is that Simpson kept giving up a secret. Now, my grandmother taught me something when I was really young. She said, fool me, one, uh, sh- fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, Negro ain't going to be no fooling me twice. That's just what she told me. What I don't get is that she tricked him four times. Now, by time number three, you're starting to scratch your head saying, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Every time I tell her my secrets, she finds, I didn't tell nobody. I didn't put it on my Facebook status. I didn't tweet about it. I just told my baby thing. And every time I tell my baby thing, you know, some big old men try to defeat me. Okay. Fourth, fourth time comes, tells her the real secret. Because you can only battle with compromise so much before you give in. Gives in to the compromise. Catch this. She waits till he's sleeping and cuts his hair. Then he gets up and the Bible says that Delilah calls out and says, hey, hey, the Philistines are upon you. They're getting ready to attack you. And the Bible says that he shakes himself like he had always done. And he did not know that the spirit had left him. Catch this. This is a man. Pastor Benjamin, who has never cut his hair before. You're, you can't tell me that a man, because I, I used to have an afro back in the day. And I had cornrows one time. Those things itch so bad. I said, never again. That's what, you know, I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, but I remember after I cut my hair, after having an afro for about three years, when I got up, it was like all of the wind of the world <laughs> had just hit your head and I was freezing. And I couldn't put on enough hats and earmuffs and scarves to save my life. And it hit me. So you can't tell me that Samson, a man who's never cut his hair before, has his hair cut and didn't know it. He gets up and he shakes himself. And he thinks that the spirit is still on him. But he doesn't understand that the spirit of strength comes from covenant. And you can't have the benefits with covenant without having the responsibilities of covenant. 
So what am I saying? I'm saying Delilah did not trick him. He gave up his covenant. I, I don't believe that you can cut his hair bald to Pastor Benjamin's hair and him not know it. I don't believe that he can get up and have his hair gone and him not feel it. What am I saying? I think Samson looked back at when he touched the honey inside of the dead thing and he said, well, I touched it back then. It'll be all right now. I mean, I still have my power back then. I still have my strength back then. I'll be all right now. I mean, I slept around last week and I led worship and the power of God was still on me. I'll still be all right. I know it doesn't happen in your church, but I go to churches where it happens. It's that one church where the, where, the, where the worship pastor was sleeping with one of the young people. Everybody, everybody knew it. And nobody said anything because he was powerful. I don't care if you're powerful. I'll take pathetic over powerful as long as you're living in purity. And what I'm saying is that I know you've had the sweet thing inside of the dead thing. But there's coming a time where Delilah's going to come and she's going to solidify your compromise. And you're going to lose your power and your strength and your anointing. Lose your strength. The Bible says the first thing that happens is that the enemy gouges out his eyes. Because the first thing that happens when you start to compromise into becoming normal is that you lose vision and you lose sight. One of the most disturbing things is that I can talk to believers who have been believers for six years. And I say, hey, what are you called to do? And they say to me, I don't know. Anybody knows that if you worked for McDonald's for three weeks and didn't know that what you were supposed to do, they'd fire you. Yeah, you don't know what you're supposed to do for the Lord and you've been working him for six years? Maybe because you haven't collided with your boss. I'm done. <laughs> don't worry. Some of you are like, this preacher got a lying demon. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Catch this. The Bible says, the Bible says that I closed my Bible. That means I'm done. Worship team, come. Play something romantical. Because some of you are going to, for the first time, walk out of here saved. Your pastor's not going to have to beg you to serve. He's not going to have to beg you to usher. He's not going to have to beg you to start a Bible study. If you're in your work and there are no saved people, you probably have the right to start a Bible study. Come come on. I'm just saying, most of us are living in the compromise of being normal in this room. That we go to church on Sunday and we think that we're all right. But Jesus didn't die to pay a price for you to come to church and be free and do come to church. I'm telling you, Jesus died for you to live absolutely radical. He comes to a place, he loses his sight. I promise I'm done here. He loses his sight. After he loses his sight, the Bible says that the Philistines put him in, in the place of threshing wheat. And he became entertainment for the enemy. Why? Because when you lose your covenant, the enemy's not impressed by you. The enemy's not scared of normal people. He looks at you and laughs. You, he claps. He applauds you. He says, come on, keep praying in tongues real loud. But nobody likes you because of your bad attitude. He says, come on, keep having your prayer meetings, Church of Korea. But don't do anything about the poverty in the world. Hey, when you lose your compromise, when you come into compromise with, with normal, the enemy's not scared of you. You become entertainment. The Bible says that he became entertainment and, and that his enemies looked at him and said, man... Look at, look at Samson. The one who destroyed his thousands has now lost his strength. I love God because he's not just the God of the first chance. And he's not just the God of the second chance. I'm grateful, Pastor Benjamin. If I could just be honest as a pastor, he's not just the God of the 16th chance. But the Bible says that Samson, unknown to the Philistines, 
began to grow his hair back. What's the whole gist of my message tonight? If some of you were to look at yourself, you'd be bald right now. But the grace of God says, I'll let you grow your hair back. He grew his hair back. And after he grew his hair back, the Bible says that he looked with the help of this young boy. And he said, put my hands on the pillars because I'm angry. And I want vengeance for what I've lost. Can you stop being a cute Christian? Can you stop being... I love what Dustin's brother, he's one of the pastors in our church. He said, the thing I hate most is when people call me nice. If you've never had confrontation with anyone as a believer, I I would question your faith. If everyone's in love with you and everyone hugs you and they think you're amazing and they think you're wonderful and you never offend anyone, I would question, what are you doing? Because even Jesus, the, the king of glory, was offensive. Now, I'm not talking about going around and just messing up people. and That's, that's my job. I just go around. I, just, I see a, a wound and I just pour alcohol into it. Joe's laughing because he knows it's true. But what am I saying? Bible says, and just give me the acoustic, Dustin. Just give me the acoustic. The Bible says that he grew his hair back. And he said, Lord, let me have vengeance because I've lost my sight. I'm angry because I have no more vision. I wish to God that the people in South Korea could get angry for what the enemy has done in this nation. Pastor Dale, I just don't believe Christians should be angry. If you're not angry every time you hear about a girl being raped, something's wrong with you. If you're not angry when you hear that one out of every four girls in America cut themselves because they don't think that they're beautiful, something's wrong with you. If you're not angry when an when a uncle rapes a young boy, some, something's wrong with you, friend. If you're not angry when you walk down Itaewon and, and it doesn't hurt your heart and you... If you can go to the Philippines and see the kids knocking on your window begging for money and then go back to your life and think that everything's all right as long as I forget about it, something's wrong. Bible said he got angry. He said, I want vengeance and I love it because in the last verse of 16, he pushes over and the Bible says this amazing line, this amazing scripture that's so true for today. It said that Samson killed more in his death than he ever killed when he was alive. Why? Because you never become effective in ministry until you learn to die to yourself. Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The reason why the world can't see Jesus is because we're in the way. I can't be offended. I'm dead. can't be in compromise because I'm dead and I don't know tonight what your compromise and I don't know what your issue is maybe you're not sleeping around maybe you're not drinking more than you should maybe you're not in drugs and all that other stuff but I can guarantee there's some people in here tonight who are in compromise some people who have settled for normal some people who have settled for the four year degree the nice job and hopefully not man getting the fluffy white dog and all that thing. I want to ask you have you settled for normal tonight 